ready, Mr. Carter? I'm ready, mate. I'm ready. Guys, welcome to Nathan K. Gingerbread Podcast. On the couch there, I've got Matthew Lewis Carter. We're going to be discussing all things diabetes, inspirational, health, fitness, modelling, acting, oh, <laughs> ginger hair and ginger beards. Um, <laughs> But Matthew, welcome. It's an absolute... Mate, thank you very much for having me. Well, by the sounds of it, we've got a lot of things to get through today then with that list. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. Well, you've got a lot of things to get through because, mm. I mean, look, for people that don't know who you are or what you're, what yeah. you're about, you were diagnosed with diabetes as a Yeah, team. so let's just go back to the start. And I think the beauty of coming on podcasts like this is to create awareness, first of all, um, around the condition. So for you know anybody who doesn't follow me on socials or anything like that, so I'm a presenter and I work in the fitness industry and I'm a, and I'm a type 1 diabetic. So I was diagnosed when I was uh, 13 years old. Um, there's a few things that you need to look out for. And I think, you know, opportunities like this and it's something I was speaking to somebody about before is that we now live in such a privileged position where the spoken word has surpassed the written word so not not so many people read but we're in a position where we get so much information and we can get it we can digest it from podcasts from audiobooks um, so everybody's in a position to learn now and coming on podcasts like yours just gives me an opportunity to talk about diabetes so for anybody who doesn't know type 1 diabetes it's, it's an autoimmune disease so essentially your pancreas which produces insulin insulin regulates your blood glucose levels so if I was to test your levels now Nathan they'd probably sit somewhere between like a four and a six so when I was first diagnosed mine were uh, about 30, 31. Wow. So what happened is I lost a lot of weight, going to the toilet all the time, um, and just generally quite kind of just lethargic and slow and things like that. So coming on here, I can say that, you know, there's a few things that you can look out for. Those are very common symptoms. So lost a heck of a lot of weight. Uh, my brother, who's uh, two years younger than me, he's also a type 1 diabetic. Um, so he was uh, diagnosed when he was four years old. So my mum kind of knew that there was something to look out for uh, and kind of was quite aware of the symptoms. So it uh, happened when I was 14. I remember I was, uh, yeah, so 13, 14. I always get the sort of years mixed up. But I kind of just think, it, and it's something at the time, because I, I remember watching my brother and how he had to take injections every day, how he had to prick his fingers every time of day, how his body reacts when he doesn't have enough glucose in his system. And I thought, fuck, I've got to live with this for the rest of my life. And it soon got to a position where I was just very much like, okay, this is it, this is the hand I've been dealt, how am I gonna, how am I gonna deal with it? Am I gonna you know, sit back and weep and moan about it? And then I, I've been very fortunate, I think, since the position and seeing how my brother's dealt with it, that we've kind of just got on with it because you know, there's worse things to deal with and you're never gonna get anywhere. If you've got, everybody you know, has their, their downsides. Life isn't, life isn't you know, all sunshines and rainbows. And I think that's something that, with social media as well, we're in this this world where everything looks fantastic, everything <laughs> looks looks glorified. But life isn't like that. Life can be life can be miserable, and it can be, you know, sort of almost depressing. And it's not always colourful. So it got to a position where, okay, you know, I've I've got this. How am I going to deal with it? And mm. I got into the fitness industry because of that. Um, I train a lot of type one diabetic clients, but I kind of use my social media platform to say, you know, essentially, you look after, you know, you control the condition it doesn't control you that's amazing yeah. i mean did it have a massive impact on your life as a child i know you talk about you know you tried to get over it and mm. you tried to sort of see the positive side of things yeah. but i mean socially as well did people sort of ex ex, ex sort of yeah never really it? even in school i remember we used to have um like we were able to jump the dinner queue in school and everything which was great <laughs> yeah. you just say yeah I'm, I'm feeling you know my blood glucose levels are going a bit low 
And all the boys would be like, they're not going though, he's just getting food. Um, But no, it never really. And it's something I I speak about quite a bit on my channel as well, that it's never been the physical side of things that bothered me. So it's never really been the injections, the late night hypos, the finger prickings. But the mental side of things is something that sometimes, like even sitting in this podcast now, in the back of my head will be going, shit, I hope my blood glucose levels don't drop low in this. Because uh, what the symptoms are like, it's very much like when you're drunk. So, you know, you slur words and... Um, you kind of stumble about the place. I know there was an incident in Bristol recently where in Freshers' Week there was a lad who was who was type one diabetic and he was out on uh, now out on the beers one night and he had a hypo, but the bouncer just thought he was um, just you know just drunk, so he just kicked him out and unfortunately had to go to hospital because he kind of just slumped wow. down on the street. Um, but yeah, it is a, it's a very serious condition if you don't if you don't look after it. So Tom, okay, I mean. It's something that we'll discuss later mm. on a bit more about the diabetes, but tell us about how you got into the journey of fitness. Because, yeah. I mean, he, if, if you haven't seen Matt naked, he does a lot of posts naked on his, <laughs> on his Instagram. <laughs> Just <know>. my balls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's got a very good body. So how did you get into, into the fitness journey of like becoming sort of a Greek god? Yeah, oh, that's very kind of you. I think you're Welcome. the first person to say that. Um, <laughs> do you know, I, fitness has always been a huge part of my life. Yeah. Um, I got into it, you know, kind of played rugby and everything like that in school. And then for me, it's always been, and we see so much with fitness and aesthetics and everything like that on social media where people, you know, you repeatedly do a habit and you become a byproduct of that habit. Yeah. And, you know, I was always fortunate and I, I trained a lot and everything like that. And I got really into it and you know, I competed on stage, stepped out in pants and everything like that, but actually created quite an unhealthy relationship with food. So, mm-hmm. you know, stepping on the scales every single day and measuring everything like that as well. Um, it's become quite addictive. Oh God, yeah, massively so. It's And, um, you know, as we were speaking before, it's the dose that makes the poison of anything, but it got to a point where I, was, I wasn't going out for uh, dinner with friends. Um, I was becoming, yeah, really, really addicted to it. So, uh, but I, and I, and I kind of think that's the beauty of fitness, that it's, a, it's, it's an unfinished journey for everybody. You can always improve in something. And I always believe that, you know, the reason that you do it is not because of, you know, the way that you want to look. Yes, if you do certain things right, if you eat a decent source of protein with every meal, if you, you know, fill half your plate with greens and vegetables, and if you strength train three times a week, you know, not only in later life, you're going to delay the onset of osteoporosis, but there's so much more that it's, it's kind of the mental clarity for me. And it's not spoken about enough. You know, you, we see a lot on social, um, not social media, sorry, on ITV and everything at the moment, even on Britain's Got Talent the other night, they pause just to say, right, guys, you're going to take a, mo- a minute's um, kind of, a minute off air now just for you to talk to somebody um, and I kind of always feel like training has been a therapy yeah um, it's been that moment where you know it's fucking hard to think about your your tax returns or something like that when you're sweating to death on a treadmill yeah. or something like that and I think it's when you get that mental clarity and you, you get the training session you you put yourself into it you involve you really kind of involve yourself with it if you get outside and think, do you know what, I've, I've tackled that today, life's not going to be so hard. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of it. And you know, I think a lot of people perhaps sometimes start their fitness journey just because they want to look a certain way, they want to look like an Instagram model or, or a Hollywood star. 
But same with anything. If you enjoy the process of it, if you enjoy the process of fitness, yeah. you know, it's, it's the best ride you'll ever take. Going back to social media, do you think Instagram is having, a, a, so where it, I believe it should have a positive mm. effect on people, where it should be inspiring, it should yeah. be motivational, mm -hmm. it should give you that drive. Do you think it's also having a negative impact where people are looking at it go, I'm never going to look at that. I don't, yeah. I can't, what's the point of me starting? Yeah, massively so. And as we spoke before, it's, it's the dose that makes the poison of anything. And I think, uh, you know, social media isn't bad, but too much social media is bad. It's like, it's like alcohol, alcohol isn't bad, but too much of it. And I think it's just the consumption of it. And I've been in a position as a guy, and I know guys, we don't tend to emote so much when it comes to things like, you know, body goals, but you know, there's huge things out there like manorexia and things like that, steroid abuse and everything. Why a lot of guys do that is because, you know, they want to look a certain way and social yeah. media can feed into that. I know with girls especially, it's um, the comparison ideology. So one thing I, you know, I did a, a couple of years ago is just have a bit of an Instagram just clean up. So if there's every, you know, accounts should do kind of two things that I normally find. They should educate you. Um, we'll say three things, educate you, inspire you, um, or just, just make you laugh. Yeah. And I find that, that with the accounts that I follow now, they make me do that. And I've been in positions in the past where you follow accounts that actually just make you look a bit shit. Like, you know, somebody who's on a beach every single day and looks a perfect way and it's kind of got heavily filters across everything. And if it makes you feel a bit crap, you know, that's Don't a warning it. sign. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a massive point to make and I keep hearing it as well and I keep mm. stressing it to people. Like if there's something you don't like on Instagram, just turn yeah, it off, mute exactly. it, get rid of it. You, can. you know, what's the point in looking at something on a daily basis? Because we spend so much time on our phones. Oh, of course we do, yeah, just, yeah. Chop it out. That's it. Like, Even with the kind of notifications, you know, turn all the notifications off on my phone. And it's a good excuse if a partner's going, oh, I missed the notification. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, but no, it's, I think it's important because, you know, it's, it's very consuming and it's, you know, it's, there's so much information that's accessible to us now. And yeah. I don't think we're, we've adapted to it yet. And it's important just to take that time off. So I think muting most of my notifications has been something that's been a bit of a game changer for me. Um, going back to your social media, because mm. your social media has changed quite a lot. And I've gone scroll to the beginning yeah, yeah. and it has changed. And if you haven't looked at Matt's social media on Instagram, it is brilliant. It's so good. Tell us how you, when was it that you had that light bulb moment? You thought, I'm going to start doing these videos. I'm yeah. going to start just, because you are so natural on it. Oh, like you are just yeah. being yourself. Man crush. Yeah. <laughs> you are very natural. Yeah. You do come across as honest. So how, when did that light bulb moment click and go, oh, that's what I'm going to start doing? Um, I think so. I met, um, you know, my, my girlfriend, she has, you know, a very large, engaged following on social media. And before I met her, I never, I never really used it. So kind of two and a half years ago, really, then I kind of started using it a little bit. Uh, and I've always been a believer that people buy people. And mm. if you've got, you know, an authentic message to tell, then people will buy into that. Uh, and Chess is, you know, she uses hers a lot. She's got a huge audience of, you know, people who kind of hang on her every word sometimes. So it's, it's a very much a, a position of responsibility. But, but I believe anybody has that. So it doesn't matter if you've got 100 followers or if you've got a million followers. Yeah. People, you know, you've still got something to say. Um, but I, I suppose I've kind of been, I've gone through a few things with it. You know, there's a big part of what my, my Instagram was for quite a while was calling out, you know, these detox products and things like that as well, like your skinny mint teas and your boom bods and everything, which finally Instagram have kind of... Um, push back on because I think enough people have made enough noise about them but uh, I, I think I was trying as I mentioned before a few I was trying to do something that made people laugh so I'd wear Chess's bras 
uh, and then educate people as well because yeah. you know everything's done at the click of a button these days and you know just like we get our Amazon order tomorrow people expect that with their body sometimes I think mm. um, and kind of not just the physical side of things but it's the mental health side of things as well but you know it's kind of a, a bit of a slippery slope if you're jumping onto these products so a lot of my social media was was doing that for a while I've kind of moved um, across to presenting a bit more at the moment. That's kind of the avenue that I'm trying to get into into the next few years. But I think it's, it's actually just finding these opportunities yourself. Like, yeah. I enjoy spending time in front of the camera. Like my first videos, if, if, if you look at them, they're nothing like, you know, some of the latest videos. Yeah. And again, you know what it's like with social media, just talking into stories, people are like, oh, I can't do it, it makes me shiver. Yeah. It's just, you know, you've, you've got to practice it. And I think it's a skill and you become more natural and, but I think it's you know it's okay to show the fuck ups and things like that as well. Agreed. Because because people buy into that and yeah. if everything's glossy and everything all the time, then you know it's boring and people find that a bit more funny and relatable. I think. Well, this is it because we're all human, and the exactly. minute we keep going, everything's perfect. It's bullshit. It's yeah, not. Yeah. No, we know that exactly. So you got to show that element. Like when you said today, I said how many times I've fucked up on on the on the podcast. Yeah. Like that is part and parcel of yeah, life. Of and I think if you show that and demonstrate that you're also a human being, people will relate to you totally, and totally. buy into what you're. Yeah. Saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then when you do say something of truth or inspiration, they listen to it. Of course they do. Of course so they do. So it yeah. becomes so much more powerful. Mm -hmm. um, going away from social media and coming into your acting role, you've yeah. done quite a few commercials. Yeah. Um, and you do a lot on Instagram, mm -hmm. uh, people, uh, companies' Instagram stories. Yeah. But go back to how you got into acting and, and modelling. Yeah, it's funny. So I, you know, I actually studied as an actor originally. So went to university in Wales and then spent a bit of bit of time at drama school in LA and then I remember I came back from the States and my parents lived in Clinetley in South Wales at the time and I was like I've just come back from Los Angeles and I was just like oh my god I, I need to get to London <laughs> so I got to London and I, I really persevered with that world and it's a it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world it's, it's really tough I always you know I was fortunate enough I I worked on some really great commercials and I, and I still work in that world but I think that I'm actually you know people say uh, I'm quite actually introverted which is People look at my social media and go, God, yeah, he's kind of on it all the time. But I'm really not. I'm actually, like, if there's a conversation, I've always been quite uh, more of a listener. I remember yeah. when I came for, first came into the fitness industry, I read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And there's a big part in that um, about people just being able just to listen because people love to talk about themselves. Thank you for having me on. It's great, <laughs> great to finally do it. Um, but, you know, and I really, that, that really resonated with me, um, you know, just spending time um, and just, just taking time just to listen. And I think in such a, a loud world, sometimes we just need to, to step back and do that. Um, so, yeah, I've worked a lot on, on commercials and things, and I've kind of brought that over then to my social media. But in truth, I think I'm just I'm making it up as I go along. Uh, there's, I, I don't quite know where I'm going. Um, you know, I'm all one for setting goals and writing things on paper and everything like that as well. But um, I think we need, you know, we live our life with a with a with a foot in chaos and a foot in order. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, if you spend too much of your time with both feet in order, you, you miss the chaos because the chaos is something that creates that that vulnerability, that excitement, that mm. ruthlessness. Um, and a chance to grow as well. Exactly, exactly. And most importantly, a chance a chance to fuck up. Yeah. Because you learn so much more from your mistakes. And you know, as we spoke before, you made your mistakes. I've made mine. Um, and it, it's about having, you know, it's the yin and yang. It's having one foot in chaos and one foot in order. And I guess I try and show that on on social media, but. Um, yeah, one of my uh, I've seen one of the commercials which res that I really really liked, which mm. was Johnny Walker. 
Oh, right, yeah, that's coming back, yeah. Quite deep, that is. It was, do you know, do you know what? So we did that in, in the Isle of Skye, and it was actually from, like, a student budget that, that, that they did it with. Um, and I remember just waking up, and after it went live, and I think it just, it just, it blew up. It was crazy. But I think everybody who watches it, and if you've got a brother, you yes. kind of, yeah. Cut. So, like, I showed, you know, when I used to PT a lot more, I showed it to some of my clients, one guy who had a brother, like, you really, you really connect with it. And the cinematography is beautiful. It's really well shot. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a tearjerker. It really yeah. is. And it, it, it's so sad. Like, yeah, I, it is. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, and a great piece of acting because there's no words. No, there's no, no, there's no script at all. No. And you, you, can, you can take what you want from it. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But really powerful. Yeah, great really advert. powerful. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> great thanks, advert. Mate. Really I think just to do that, I think it's just the beauty, the, the talent that the guys had, you know, the people working on the commercial. But yeah, it was beautifully well shot and it still pops up every now and then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really good. So if you, I'll put a link to that somewhere in the yeah. description. So make sure you watch that. Um, tell, tell us about Japan. Yeah, oh, Japan insane. is incredible. So I was fortunate enough, I was, as I've mentioned to you, I've moved across a bit more into presenting now, but I think like I'm kind of trying to create these opportunities and people say, how'd you get into acting? How'd you get into presenting? Like so much of it is, you know, I've got agencies and things behind me, but so much is you've got, it's got, to, you know, you've got to put in the work mm. and you know opportunities have come up recently with social media I think the presenting world the dynamic of it has changed quite a bit it used to have your conventional BBC's and your ITV's presenter but now with the growth of social media and brands and things like that you can go and present for them so I went across to uh, Japan I've seen some work for like Canterbury's Instagram stories and things like that as well so Japan is incredible so there's actually there's a show on uh, ITV at the moment, Joanna Lumley, who's going around Japan, and, and it's really really interesting because obviously when you see certain parts, you say, oh god, yeah, it was there, it was there, but it's, it's a beautiful culture. And up until about 200 years ago, I think you were executed if you left Japan, and you were executed if you came into Japan. So they've kind of got this beautiful kind of almost like a Neverland place where their culture and everything it's still so real and authentic, but the people are amazing. They're welcoming and polite and gregarious. They're not the best drinkers, yeah. they're quite small, um, <laughs> but yeah, unbelievable. Like it's, it's somewhere that um, people were like, are you working with the tourist board or something like that? Cause you're making it look really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one place it's kind of, it's been on the bucket list for a while, but it was unbelievable then to go out there and watch, you know, a couple of the rugby world cup games and everything as well. It was quite something. That robe, is it the robots restaurant? Oh, the robot restaurant. That is bizarre so it's a robot restaurant it's about 70 quid a ticket but there's no food there's like popcorn so basically you sit down and you kind of go downstairs and it's a bit like feels a bit like somewhere in like in benedorm or something like that um and you go down and it's like it can't even explain it it can't like you got people jumping about if you dress this robotic fish there's huge robotic <laughs> snakes that come out it's the weirdest but most incredible thing so um, would you go back Yes, Definitely. absolutely. They've got a real mix of, you know, the culture and the history and everything there, but then the vibrancy of the city, like Tokyo, I think it's the most populated city in the world. Wow. Um, and the transport system and everything there. But I think, you know, 98% of the population is indigenous. So, you know, 98% is of people who are uh, Japanese. Yeah. Um, so not, they don't speak a great deal of English. So getting about, you do a lot of like gesticulating and pointing. You could just speak to your phone these days, no? Yeah. Did I you mean, try that? I didn't even think about it. You can't just yeah, speak to your phone. <laughs> could have just done that. But it kind of took a bit of the beauty out of it. But do you know what? Some of the people were just like, they 
they'd see you in Tokyo Station and they'd they'd stop and try oh, and help you and everything with it, which is really really good. I can, I can imagine that happening in the London Underground. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that's funny. Exactly, because I came back and I said, oh, do you know what? I'm going to start because how many times have you been on the Underground? You know, like on the Central Line or something, and you see tourists and they're still on the wrong side, and you're like, oh, fucking get out of the way. <laughs> and you just think, do you know what? Just take a moment, just yeah. to think. Um, I wonder if they leave this country feeling, oh my god, the people are so nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine they do. It's mad, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah. what's the next role for you? Can you tell us about what's going up, like coming up for you soon? Yeah, or? so I'm doing some work uh, again with the presenting stuff, some work with BT Sport, I think with the success of the Lionesses over the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, BT Sport have put a, a team of people together to look after you know, certain football clubs and things like that. So I'll be moving that on my social media. Um, I'm kind of in a position at the moment, as I mentioned to you before, where I think you know personal training and everything's great, but I've got to a position where I'm talking more about mental health and um, the psychological aspect, the psychological side of living with like a condition like diabetes. So that's yeah. something I want to explore more. And um, yeah, men's mental health is something that really interests me. Do you have any mental health routines, mm. like hy- hygiene routines? So sort of like, is there yeah. anything that you do? Is there any rituals that you might have? So one thing I do is, one thing that I do every single morning is that I won't touch um, Instagram or social media until about 10, 11 o'clock. Um, it's... It's tough because sometimes you know I still see a few clients every every week, so I've got to check in on my on my WhatsApp. But if the first thing you do every single morning is roll out of bed and look at your emails, look at your social media, you're immediately it's kind of minor stresses. And I think you know we live in a world now where you get so many minor stresses. Like you wake up, your your inbox is just just there's so many emails in there your alarm goes off that's another minor stress you burn your toast first thing in the morning it's a minor stress you've got to stand on the central line for an hour it's a minor stress and there's so many of these little things i think are just building up yeah. to the bigger things so for me finding that mental space first thing in the morning is quite crucial uh, i tend to write down like my f- top like three or four things that i need to do every day and i do it pen to paper mm. um just because i think there's something quite I don't know, it feels like it resonates more when you're writing it on paper. Uh, I also have like, every single day in my diary a non-negotiable list, which I do three things every day. So the first thing is always exercise. Yeah. Uh, the second is a podcast or um, kind of self-fulfillment, self-development, sorry. Um, and then the third is just to get in contact with somebody I haven't spoken to. Even if it's like, do you know, like the other day I had a 30-minute phone call with, with an old friend of mine. Just because we, how easy is it? It's just a WhatsApp and voice note and everything these days. Um, and I think it's just finding a bit of fun for myself. I think, you know, when you're self-employed, it's it's very hard. Like, in, you know, sometimes on a Tuesday afternoon, I might go, do you know what? I'm just going to go to the cinema for the <laughs> afternoon just because I need that, the kind of, just to get out of it a little bit. What's it like being self-employed? I mean... Yeah, when I when I first there's a lot of pressures. Yeah. Um, people, you kind of have to adapt to a new way of life that it's very hard to turn off. Um, but I guess that's hard for everybody to turn off now with you know with notifications buzzing off and everything like that as well. But um, you've got to be strict, I think, with, with certain things. But at the same time, it gives you an element of freedom. You know, I was lucky enough that I could just go. Um, but I say lucky enough. You know, I put the work in that I've created the lifestyle that I have now that. That me and Chess could go away for for a month before, so we were in you know Australia and Thailand and everything like that before Japan. But people see you know the glossy side of things. You know even like on my social media, I'll show that we're in Japan and we're in Australia. We're we're doing this, but you know there's there's tough times as well. And you know sometimes it's a very kind of income is very up and down. You have good months, you have months where. Uh, you're eating beans on toast, but I, I wouldn't change it just no. because um, it, it's something you know when I was 
just you know study as an actor and everything like that I did kind of every job under the sun I could worked in call centers I was a butler in the buff I, <laughs> I did that twice and it scared the shit yeah, out of me those really? ladies were savage so I was like right, I'm not going back to that um but you know it all it all kind of you know lines up to the bigger picture of what you're doing now and it teaches you that you perhaps you don't want to be in those positions because if you're gifted everything, if everything's given to you on a plate, you don't understand the element of hard work and True. having to pull your socks up. Would you ever go back to a, a paid sort of Monday to Friday, nine to five? I don't, I don't think I could now. No. I've had too much freedom. I like kind of my routines of what I do in the morning mm-hmm. and things like that. You know, never say never. Um, but at the moment, no, I'm quite enjoying still trying to figure it all out. Well, this is it. I keep saying to people, like, just try and find what you enjoy doing and try and find, like, my my idea is trying to help people find a sustainable way Mm. of finding what they love doing and making a decent living from it. Definitely. And I just keep saying, but, like, just keep trying loads of different things. Yeah. Find what makes you happy. Yeah. And just try and run with it. Well, that's the beauty now, you know, as we were saying before, you, you have so many different potentials for sources of income. Like, it's not just, like... Oh, you're a, uh, an actor, you're a presenter, you're a, a personal trainer, or you work at Lloyd's. It's not anything like that. You have the beauty to add so many strings to your bows now. Yeah. And, you know, it's a position where perhaps, you know, my parents and your parents weren't in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in this, this, this world now where we can create those opportunities. But I think, you know, it's, it's learning to, to deal with failure as well, because you are going to fail. And it's a big part of, of you know the journey i'm still failing with things that i do now but it's like okay i didn't do that right but how can i so fix it? do you embrace the failure oh definitely like take it on and be like yeah yeah bring definitely. it on because that's the way i'm going to improve god yeah i mean that's you know even kind of in the acting world you get you grow a thick skin of it's kind of like with that world and the modern stuff and everything as well as a, it's like going to a job interview two or three times a day and just somebody going no you know yeah. you're not good enough and uh, that world, you, you kind of you've got to be very thick-skinned, but I think it's given me the confidence to go out and try try other things. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so, how did you meet Chess? So, yeah, yeah, so it's going back to through fitness actually. So, I used to coach at a studio in Southwest London, and uh, Chess was booking into my classes like all the time. And she'd only book into my classes. Um, so fr- from there, yeah, stalker, stalker. And she actually said, do you want to go for food sometime? And I was like, well, if you look, you know, surely, you know, I, I saw her all the time just, just dripping as well. I was like, you've got to look better than that. <laughs> uh, so we did, we, we went for dinner and you know, we both come out of relationships at the time. Yeah. And I kind of was just like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to just focus on myself for this summer, just try and sort a few things out. But yeah, we've been together two two and a half years now yeah just over two and a half years and we've we've done so much in such a short space of time and I think it was really Chess who kind of opened me up into into this social media world yeah. because I knew of Chess and I knew it's it's funny in the fitness industry you know of certain people like you see them on their Instagram and you see them on their stories and you're like I know what you had for breakfast I'm not <laughs> going to tell you because it's creepy um, but you do and and we hit it off from there and I guess we both have quite a a similar a similar message really um yeah is there anyone in the fitness world that you sort of aspire to you think or gives you inspiration on a daily yeah. basis anyone that you sort of look at and think do you know what? i used to look at the likes of like steve cook and things like that and think from a body comp- composition perspective that's mm. what i want to be like but not really at the moment i actually try and i, I always feel like we're consuming so much information all the time 
Um, and I don't really fangirl anybody or anything like that, unless it was Tom Hardy or anything. But um, <laughs> not really, not really. I think there's so many accounts on there. I think, you know, going back to the mental health thing and everything before, there's accounts out there that are really talking about that. And you can, you can tell just by looking at somebody's account if there's somebody who's taking the time to, to talk to their audience and influence people in the right way, because we all have our ability to influence you know some people do it better than others but there's no one person who really kind of stings out to me nice. not from you there we go <laughs> from I was missing that one wasn't <laughs> yeah. I? Yeah. yeah thanks you had, to, you had to get one in at least didn't you? you had to get one in um all right so a few questions have come in um what's the best part of, uh yeah what's the best part about the body positivity movement that jess is making yeah so first of all body positivity and body confidence are, are two different things so body positivity is a movement that came out of the Black Lives Matter movement. So chess, is that something she's not really, she's not associated with at all. Mm -hmm. Body confidence is something, and I suppose you don't get many guys talking about it, going back to that before that, you know, guys who are not so good at emoting, I think we're getting much better. But I think it's having the confidence, I think chess is one of the first people on social media just to perhaps just let your stomach roll out after having a meal. And before, you know, you'd look through um, your Instagram feed and it would be Victoria's Secret models and everything like that as well. So there's this incredible movement, I think, online where people are going, actually, do you know what? Having that cellulite's fine. It's yeah. perfectly normal. And, you know, I think there needs to be more spoken about for guys. Um, I don't think you can quite match it up to how girls will feel just because, you know, we talk and we communicate in, in different ways. Um, but yeah, she kind of really was one of the first people, the forerunners, I suppose, in creating that movement. And she still does so much of it. Like it is crazy when when you've got that amount of followers, how much kind of dedication and everything she has to, to, to giving back. So nice. Yeah, it is, it is nice. I think, you know, everybody can kind of learn something from that, just trying to give back to to a community. But at the same time, you know, it's hard to switch off from it sometimes. Like even points away when um, with work and everything on social media, it's, it's hard to get off your phone. So we're quite it disciplined. Is. Like we don't have our phones in our bedrooms. That's one thing that... And we don't, so I just, I'll wake myself up with my Garmin or my watch in the morning, it just give me a buzz. Um, so yeah, just getting into bed and just not having your phone in there. Because, you know, been in positions, I suppose, with partners before, we'd sit in bed and you just scroll through your phone. And it's just like, that's, and, you know, I spoke about this on podcast the other day, I think we're missing the basis of how relationships are formed. Relation, even when you're out to dinner and your phone is on the table, and it, even if it's turned upside down, it's still a it's distraction. Still there. Yeah, it's still absolutely. a distraction. I think we miss that and the basis of relationships are formed. Like, you know, how relationships form is, is sat like this and saying, you know, no, no, how's things going? Oh, yeah, yeah, they're all right. No, how are things really going? You know, yeah. you said, you know, your, your mum or somebody's in hospital. How is she doing? And then you get into real conversations. And that's kind of the basis of how relationships are formed. And I think we miss that a little bit with that techie gadget around Shame, the isn't it? Yeah. It is a shame. a shame. But we're, but we're creating more awareness yeah. about it because talking about it now. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, not, not what's been your favourite commercial. Come back to that. Um, macros or intuitive eating? Yeah, I mean, it's tough for everyone. I think uh, macros will give you, there's no right way to do it. Okay. Macros will give you an awareness as to how you're eating, tracking your calories will. Um, I think, you know, people often struggle sometimes even with, you know, healthy foods. They'll, it's very easy con to consume over your daily calorie allowance just with healthy foods, with avocados and nuts mm. and things like that as well. You need to figure out what works for you. I did the whole macro approach, so I kind of know 
my set weight now where where I'm kind of comfortable. But you need to trial, you need to test a few things out. Um, intuitive eating, you know, the simple things that you can do, like the half plate rule, something I used to use with my clients. So every time you come to have your plate, fill half that plate with leafy greens and think about the rainbow as well. You know, you want as much color, as much variety into yeah. your diet as possible. Um, and then a good source of protein with every meal. So every time that you come down to have your dinner or, or lunch or something like that, just think about, okay, where am I getting my veggies from? Right, veggies are there. Where am I getting a source of protein from? Uh, where am I getting my carbohydrates from? Um, and I think we overcomplicate it, and that's kind of why I've taken a bit of a step back on social media about talking about yeah. nutrition and fitness. It's just because there's like, there's two sides, you know, do the keto way, do it the paleo way, do it this way, and we're all kind of throwing bricks at each other. Um, when we should be kind of using those bricks to, to build something. something. Yeah, exactly. Really but, nice you know, it's, it's, and there's a little bit too much of that for me, but it's just, it's getting back to the basics. You know, there's a lot of talk on, on how, you know, obesity is linked with socioeconomics and things like that as well. So people from, you know, backgrounds with slightly less money and things like that as well, naturally they're going to, you know, eat, eat more fast food and things yeah, like that course. as well. So it, come, it comes down to education, but, you know, I've kind of always found with all the clients that I use that, if you use that kind of half plate rule, and people kind of think that eating healthily is expensive, it, re it really doesn't have to be. You can get packs of frozen vegetables, you know, the nutrients and things like that, they're, they're pretty much exactly the same as it's well. It's also getting people in the habit to do it though, because people just like, I just can't, people say, I can't, I work, yeah, they, people yeah. make excuses, mm -hmm. people can't be bothered, yeah. um, and they just want to go for that quick option. Yeah, and they, they do. Sort of, they guilt themselves into, mm -hmm. uh, it just doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, of course. Well, it's the old, you know, there's an, a really famous video on, on YouTube, I think, that Arnold Schwarzenegger did about, 24 hours in the day and then how you everybody's got the same 24 hours in the day and he talks about when you actually strip down your hours oh, I don't have time to do that or time to do that you know you got eight hours to to sleep most people can do that if you're you know a working mum or something I completely get it but people will be able to find at least when you strip it back and you go, actually, do you know what? I've got, got like plenty of time. Over three hours there that, you know, I'm spending. <laughs> Perhaps I don't need to scroll through cats on Instagram for an hour. Like, Thank you. It's, but it's perspective, though. It's, like, it's prioritizing what's important to you. This is it. I think you've just got to find what works for you. Yeah. Like, just try as much shit as possible. Yeah. yeah. And some, someone will taste nice. Mm -hmm. And you just got to carry on doing exactly. that. It's yeah. all you've got to do. Yeah. So, not one method is right. And mm -hmm. it's something you've touched on as well. Like, just don't, it's not just one method. Mm -hmm. Don't stop chucking bricks at each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just totally. say, look, this could work for you. This could work That's for you. The thing. It's, it's again something like, all right, perhaps you've done keto. It didn't work for me, but what can I take from that? Okay, this didn't mm. work for me. What can I take from that? And it's adding to your toolbox. Yes. Every single time you're adding something new to your toolbox. I think with fitness, you can do that as well. You know, you try CrossFit, wasn't for me. You tried Zumba, wasn't for me. Spinning, wasn't for me. But what has it taught me? Okay, yeah. it's given me the basics of, you know, how to get around the gym and things like that as well. Because you believe in strength training, right? Yeah. And um, and there's a lot of women that don't believe in strength because yeah. they think they're going to get massive. Yeah. Build loads of muscle. Yeah. Where if only I could do strength training. Oh, what? That's, and I say that, look, go into your gym, look at guys who have been there for two, three years and who <laughs> haven't changed size much. Like it's so, it's just, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous, but it's one of these things that the fitness industry has kind of brought about really. Yeah. But yeah, I'm a huge advocate for strength training, especially strength training for fat loss. You know, the more muscle that we have, the more muscle active tissue that we have, the more calories that we burn at rest. You know, muscle is essentially what gives the body its, its that athletic look, that streamlined look. Mm. Um, it's just getting in and not being afraid to ask a trainer as well. I think people go in and one of the big reasons why you don't see so many girls or, or ladies in, in weight room is just the nervousness. And I, I completely get it. If you go in and you've got, you know, guys in vests with their nipples hanging out, grunting excessively. Yeah. 
um, it can be off-putting even for guys coming into the gym. But if, if you speak to people, a lot of the time actually sure. they're there to, hey, I can help you out on that. And they, will, they are yeah, willing to. It. Most of the ladies... They want, they want to know that. They oh, want totally. to give their expertise. Oh, God, they want most to of the ladies I've found who train really well will do it 10 times better than guys. Yeah. 100%. Guys, there's a lot of, you know, um, <laughs> ego <laughs> lifting, <laughs> bicep curls. Exactly. So when you get the foundations and everything right, one piece of advice... It would just be, just work with a, a, a decent personal trainer for a couple of sessions. Yeah. Just so it gives you the basic movement patterns, how to hinge properly, how to brace properly in a squat. You get those things right, you might have to pay 150 quid for a couple of PTs, but it will stay with you. you know, that technique is yeah, so important. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Don't, don't injure yeah, yourself. Yeah. So that's the reason why you get it. So you yeah. can get the technique right, make sure you don't injure exactly, yourself. Exactly, yeah. Um, okay, thoughts on fasting? Um, I, there's nothing special about Maybe fasting. But for you, is it yeah, something? Yeah, of course, there's nothing special about it. All it will do, it will create a deficit in your calories across yeah. the day. Um, so say if you're somebody who starts fasting, you used to have breakfast, 500 calories for breakfast, you now no longer do it because you fast until 12. You've taken 500 calories out, which thus is gonna, you're gonna drop about, what's that, 3,500 calories across the week. It's about 3,000 calories in a pound of body, in a pound of fat. So. Yeah, I mean, you're going to drop a pound in the week just because all you've done is remove that breakfast, okay? But for me, fasting, I do do it. I tend to not have my first meal until about 11, 12, but that's purely from a, a diabetic perspective. Yeah. Just because first thing in the morning, um, blood glucose levels tend to rise. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, if I have like a big breakfast with that, um, anything carbohydrate-based, it's just going to tend to go up a little bit higher. Uh, but there's nothing special about it whatsoever. All it will do for people who are thinking about doing it, really. Um, you know, there are you know, research and things that have done on, on clarity and everything like that comes from it. But at the end of the day, all you're doing is you're just taking uh, a meal out of, oh, your, out of your day, really. Yeah, okay, fine. That makes sense. Um, who is a better rugby player? <laughs> Chris Hamill or Michael Thomas? <laughs> Michael Thomas, I'd say. Yeah, it has to be. I think Hamill was a bit of a... He was a bit... Well, he's Scottish for a start and they couldn't get through Ooh, the group stages. So, after that. <laughs> okay, so Michael's definitely a better rugby player. I'd say I'm sure Mike had some pace in him back in the day as well. Michael was what? Yeah. Michael was quick. Michael has always been strong, quick. So yeah, I went to school yeah. with Michael. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a strong, quick kid. Yeah, that's uh, funny, yeah. I Chris, like Michael. I don't think Chris had speed. Did he have hands? Maybe. Maybe I missed them, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what's been your most embarrassing moment? Most embarrassing moment? Because, I mean, you do a lot of stuff to embarrass yourself. I mean, yeah. like, even, oh, do you know what? Although I'm, I hated, I've never liked singing in public, and I had to do that at drama school in the States, and I just remember, um, no, I tell a lie. So I went for an audition for, um, oh, my God. God, it was quite a big... Um, Henry the VIII? Kingsman. Henry VIII. I've been actually for Henry VIII. Um, so do you remember The Kingsman? Yes. With Taron Egerton. I went, it was my first ever like audition. And I went into it. And just before I went into it, like I had this panic that just went over me and went to kind of action to take on the audition. And the words just completely left me. Oh, everything, everything left me. And I just stood there like... A bumbling idiot and then for years after that it had a real knock-on effect I was just like going to auditions like just scrambling for words and everything like that as well and obviously you know, I'm not really in that world anymore but that was I remember just looking and wow. like the casting director I was just like yeah, this isn't gone well yeah, yeah. <laughs> like stage fright I suppose but yeah camera fright um, if you were gonna have two people mm. around for dinner yeah who would they be 
Who would they be? Who would they be? Uh, do you know who I'd have? I read Michael Caine's autobiography a few years ago mm. and absolutely loved it. I just think that's yeah, somebody who, um, yeah, he's, he's somebody who, he, although he's got an incredible acting career, I think he, he really struggled and he lived on the streets for some parts and things like that as well. Um, I'd definitely have Michael Caine around. And then uh, a sporting legend, I think. So there's a bit of a strange one, just somebody like, Ben Fogel, actually. Ben Fogel or James Cracknell. Like, I'm a huge... I look at the stuff Ben Fogel does. And he, he actually... I listened to him on a podcast the other week and he says he's not actually that much of a sporty person. But then if you look at his accomplishments, like he's climbed Everest, he's rode across the Atlantic, he's walked um, Antarctica, he's done the Marathon wow. de Sables. Like, and that's somebody who says, I'm not really that much of a sporty person, but I've put myself outside of a comfort zone. Um, so yeah, that'd be a weird pairing. Well, Michael he's achieved Kane, a lot of great yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. So Michael Caine and Ben Fogel. Yeah. With your diabetes, um, mm. somebody asked, do you use pen or a pump? I use pens. So if anybody doesn't know, um, I've got to inject every time I eat. So I can inject four, maybe five times a day. But I'm thinking about going across to the pump just because um, it's just something I want to try. I used to play a lot of rugby. So the idea of having a pump attached to you mm-hmm. is just something that never really sat well with me. But, you know, Henry Slade, who plays for England, who's out in Japan at the moment, he's a type 1 diabetic. I've met him a couple of times. Um, and he has like a, a Dexcom, like a continuous blood glucose system that he plays with, wow. which is quite interesting. But it just goes to show. And, you know, even if you have type 1 diabetes or a condition, not just diabetes, but if there is something that you feel like has the potential to hold you back, you, you really can achieve incredible things if you put your mind to it. How would someone know if they, they might have diabetes? Are there any mm-hmm. symptoms that you think, apart, I know you mentioned yeah. going to the toilet. So yeah, but, going to the toilet. So I'm trying to remember. So there's four T's. There's thirsty, tired, thinner, thirsty, tired, thinner, and toilet. So those are the four T's. So okay. going to the toilet quite a lot, feeling thirsty. If you lose a lot of weight as well, yep. um, that's a big one. But if, you, if you're feeling or you know somebody who is feeling like that, just go to the doctors. Because you'll pretty much, once you've had your blood glucose levels tested, they'll mm-hmm. be able to tell you pretty much. Is there anything you can do at home? You can buy a blood glucose kit. Okay. So you can pick one up in boots for about 10 quid. There you go. Um, then you can just you know prick your finger and test your levels. So you, your reading should be somewhere between probably like four and seven. Okay. Uh, like for me, I was up in the 30s. Uh, and what's dangerous is that if it's up there for too long. Um, so yeah, yeah, the beauty of coming to podcasts like this is just create awareness. awareness. If one Absolutely. person comes away from this going, oh, do you know what? There's four T's I can look out for today that might save somebody's life. And that's, that's Absolutely. pretty cool. No, it's really good. Yeah. Um, with your eating then, mm. so do you like sweets? Yeah, you- I do. I do. Like, do you know what? I kind of eat everything, um, <laughs> anything. I never restrict, you know, there's no such thing as bad foods. I, don't, I really don't believe that. I think, you know, foods, the sole purpose of food really, as well as nutrients and things like that, is, is to give us energy. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a big thing in the industry of, of demonizing certain food groups and things like that as well. If you eat right, 80% of the time, um, you know, it's okay to put your fingers in the cookie jar and everything, the other 20%. And I kind of use that mythology for, um, for diabetes as well. You know, there's a lady I did a chat with a few months ago from King's College London, and she said to, there's about 60 other type ones in the room, like, if you get it right 80% of the time, it doesn't matter about the other 20%. And everybody just went, Oh, thank <laughs> I don't know. I think it's quite a cool thing for life, really. If you so you use that eighty twenty rule, yeah. Eighty twenty rule, eighty twenty for food, and I think it's a good thing just just to have for life. Like if you get it right eighty percent of the time, twenty percent we allocate to you know doing things wrong and everything like that. But yeah. you learn a lot from that. No, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favourite food? 
Mm, uh, like a Byron burger. Oh, uh, yeah, I'd hit yeah. Byron pretty hard. But again, so every time you go to eat as a diabetic, you've got to do calculations in your head. So like carbohydrate, how much carbohydrates is wow. going to be in something as well. So you kind of got to be good at maths as well. Yeah. And again, it's going back to that mental health side of things. It's mm -hmm. something that people don't really talk about. Like, so every time I sit down to have a meal, even caffeine will raise my blood glucose levels. So I've got to take a little bit of insulin in the mornings, even just for the latte that I had before I came here. Yeah. So it's constantly juggling, juggling those calculations in your head. Like, okay, how much is this? Okay, I haven't taken enough insulin, so I need to take a bit more. Or shit, I've taken too much insulin. Wow. So I need to have some glucosate or something afterwards. Do you ever get the shakes? Yeah, yeah. So common symptoms when your blood glucose levels are low is that you feel quite shaky, a little bit dizzy, you'll go a little bit. I get quite irritable mm -hmm. um, to chest, nose. Like if I'm, if I'm low, she just kind of steps Stays back in. for a couple of minutes. I'm just so it's like, not you being hangry? No, 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 it's not. So there's hangry and then there's low. <laughs> oh, wow. So I, I say that to friends as well. Imagine what it's like when you're hangry and kind of times it by 10. And it's just like, you'll barge anybody out of the way just to get something in you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. Fair play yeah. to you, but you're obviously embracing it and, and living it, so yeah, fair play exactly, to you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So if anyone feeling like so, so, slightly sorry for yourselves, mm. don't. No, like, don't, don't at all. Don't. You know, it's, it's tough because when you look at the statistics and you do the reading, you know, if you do have type 1 diabetes, it is shown to kind of take 10 years off your life. Yeah. But um, I feel like I'm not... I'm somebody who I, I train regularly, I eat well, and um, I'm not going to let that take 10 years off my life. And I think it's, if you think like that, you'll, you'll surpass it. I love that. Yeah. What three things would you, what three words of advice could you give people out there sort of that maybe, I don't know, mm. one of like three words, three yeah. key words that mm -hmm. could be, could help them achieve what they want to achieve? Okay, so I'd say uh, vision. Mm -hmm. I think you need to have, have an understanding of where it is you want to go. I think purpose, mm. I think purpose is quite a big one. I do a lot of reading of uh, Jordan Peterson, who's a clinical psychologist in Canada. And I think everybody needs to have a purpose. Like he talks a lot of simple things like making your bed first thing in the morning and kind of hitting the day with purpose, having, having a job is, is another part of that, um, of having that purpose because it gives you a reason to live and a reason to get up in the morning. So it's experimenting with those jobs as well. If you're not happy in, a, in your job, then go and find something Something else it is. Yeah. Even if it means, you know, kind of use the idea that even if it means you've got to go and live back with your parents, what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. Like, uh, and third one well. is, yeah, yeah true. <laughs> and third one is humour because I like to, I like, I like to, laugh a lot on my page and I kind of think oh what's gonna make somebody laugh yeah I think on Instagram and there's amazing accounts that do that out there and I think if you get a mixture of that clarity vision and and humor then you'll never go too far wrong I think it's not taken as cliche as it is you know the, the little things too seriously no yeah. that's really nice yeah. humor's really I've not had any of those really <laughs> <laughs> vision nice. purpose and humor yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're brilliant um, if you were going to recommend someone now to come on and do a podcast mm. and talk and maybe share their story who would you think who do you think would would benefit from doing mm. it or who do you think people would benefit from listening to uh, there's a guy I follow on uh, social media Dr. Josh oh god I'm gonna hate this because I've forgotten his surname Dr. Josh, but he talks a lot about diet culture and things like that as well. He's got a really strong engage. Oh, Josh will hate me for forgetting his surname. <laughs> Warwick, Warwick, Warwick. Um, he's got a really engaged audience on social media. And I like the stuff he talks about. Um, I'm going to be biased and say chess, just because although 
she's my partner. I just think the Come message. Come chess and double Yeah. Okay. And I think just, you know, the message and everything that, that she has is incredible. But I think it's down to, to you to go and find those inspirations. Yeah. It's going back to, you know, the whole trial and error thing. You know, there's accounts I followed in the past that I go, actually, no, I wouldn't touch that with a, with a stick now. Do so. you think they, because they come across at the beginning as they, they try to sort of show that they're good, they're mm. good intentions, and then they just show their honest side of it and it's just bullshit? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, you, you take something from it. So there's people, um, perhaps podcasts you used to listen to or books that I get involved with. And once you've taken something from that, yeah. though, at the same time, it's okay to move on to something else mm -hmm. because it's otherwise you just, you, you've learned something and then it's about adapting and moving and things like yeah, that agreed. as well. And kind of moving on to, moving on to the next thing. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Guys, we've had Matthew Carter, Thank Matthew Lewis Carter in the house. I just realised how short my shorts are as well. God, I'm glad I've had my legs. <laughs> I'm, just really, I'm glad I've had my legs closed this way. <laughs> Have you seen his trainers? Can we see your trainers? Wow, they're quite funky, aren't they? If yeah. you didn't need your hair as an advertiser, <laughs> the trainers are brilliant. But all your details will be below. Uh, go follow Matthew's Instagram account; it's absolutely brilliant. Um, if anyone has got any questions for Matt, just jump on his Instagram, send him a message. You know, I'm sure he'll interact with you. But thanks a lot for watching, for listening. Matthew, once again, it's been no, a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Pleasure. Cheers, Take mate. care. Bye.